0: Hello, and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics, power, and prejudices. This year, 2024, is an election year in America, a presidential election year. And so we will be doing two podcasts a week rather than our usual one because we want to and because we know you can't get enough Americano in your life. I'm delighted to be joined today by the philosopher Slavoj Zizek. And we're going to be talking about Julian Assange, because Julian Assange is in court today, appealing against his extradition to the United States. The United States has for a long time wanted Julian Assange because he leaked tens of thousands of highly sensitive national security documents and made them public through WikiLeaks, which was his media enterprise. Slavoj, let me start by asking you, because this story has been rumbling on for a long time. And this appears to be Assange's last hope against extradition. He's not very well. Do you think he will win? Will, he, will, will the United Kingdom actually hand over Assange to the United States any day soon? I am always a pessimist.
1: I think the decision will be against him. But that's, for me, in these horrible times, the only way to survive. If you are pessimist... You are sometimes nicely surprised. If you are an optimist, you are always disappointed, usually. So, unfortunately, I think the forces are too strong against him because, A, finally, after long years, the Australian government is now doing things to get him at least to Australia. And uh, even the relatively liberal elements in American government, like like Anthony Blinken, reject this. I don't think I don't think he has a change, but I think this is a mega scandal. We can learn a lot from it, not from what will happen, but from what already did happen, because I think it is crucial to read the name Assange, together with the name Navalny. No, I'm not saying like some crazy leftist, America is in a way even worse, blah, blah. No, it's not the same. Let's be honest. Let's imagine a case like Assange to happen in Russia. Let's be frank. He and his entire family (laughs) would probably (laughs) disappear years ago. But the sad thing is that in a slower way, blah, blah, the end result is the same. Uh,
0: Allow me to play uh, devil's advocate or or deep state advocate. Uh, I mean, the case against Assange is that he leaked thousands of highly sensitive national security documents. uh, And the argument that you hear is that um, that put lives at risk because national security is important, there's a lot of things going on between uh, America and various countries, and by publishing these documents, Assange was essentially endangering people.
1: First, don't forget how this happened originally. Assange made a deal with a group of daily newspapers, I think it was even New York Times, definitely it was Guardian and so on. And there was a whole committee or whatever which went through the documents. They were carefully selected. As for endangering lives, I think this is a very naive argument because my my hypothesis is that in any case, those for whom this information would have really mattered, the secret services knew it, Russian or whoever was the opponent. So I don't think that KGB or now it's called FSB or whoever was in Iraq and so on, that anyone learned anyone of those who matter who might have really endangered American agent uh, could have done something terrible. The danger was only that these people were publicly exposed. And also, let's not forget, the main news were not about who is in what position. It was, we remember, for example, those shots from an American helicopter they decide simply to shoot Iraqi uh, soldiers who wanted to surrender. It was public disclosure of illegal acts. Last point, Assange's just distributed these documents that he got, he acted as a spy. Okay, but the spy for the people, for the public. He didn't give this to another agency, and especially second point, he is not an American citizen. So what does this mean? That can one country simply arrest another country's Citizen as a spy. Where does this come? Is then, for example, let's bring it to the nonsense. Is then Russia allowed to demand? It's ridiculous, I know. From the United States, or I don't know whom, its own spies who are caught there, or what?
0: Well, I suppose uh, the argument there would be Russia is now uh, you know hostile power to the West, and yet America and Britain have an extradition treaty, and that we are granting it to America... Yeah, but an
1: extraditual treaty, does it really cover spying? As far as I know, there is one spy arrested even now, I don't know if they released him, in American prisons already 30, 20 years ago, an Israeli spy, a Jew, who spied for Israel. But He worked in, I don't know where, uh, FBI or State Department. He lived there. He was in America. As far as I remember, even American citizen. That I understand. The danger I see is, can you arrest people for spying on you who are not even in your country? Or can you demand their extradition?
0: Well, uh, Chelsea Manning, who was uh, Assange's source, who, who leaked these documents to... Assange. One of the sources, one, yes, one, but one yes, of, the main source. The main source, yeah. Uh, she was arrested and put in prison. Do you think America has the right to do that? And was it right to imprison Chelsea Manning, who is now a, a he? That
1: case, I wouldn't do it, of course. But that case is different because Chelsea, at that point, he now, Chelsea, she She was an American citizen directly working for, I don't know what Secret Service, so there I understand. But again, compare their acts, Manning versus Assange. Manning did the actual, under quotation mark, stealing. And nonetheless, Obama then pardoned her. So isn't this strange? you pardon for the really terif- terrifying from the position of the state act of actually taking away stealing the documents your own citizen who is pardoned, but the other one who is not even your citizen, you want to judge and basically keep him imprisoned till death. and already now. Here I speak against the United Kingdom. You know what I find strange? I am also, like you, often a devil's advocate. My, I told this to Assange, sometimes from, if you read his documents and so on, well, uh, why just United States and a little bit other Western countries? Where are? China, Russia, and so on, which are definitely worst on these accounts. But we came to a result which I agree that nobody has any illusions about Russia and China. It's ridiculous even to say this. We know how it works. It's even much worse than in the old times, Friends from China are telling me this, half dissidents. They told me when they were young, it was this classical spying, you know, like you walk on the street, you look back, you see a guy, half an hour, you walk on the street, you turn back, my God, this guy, that guy is simply there. Now you don't need that. It's also all of this digital control. And I think the importance of Assange is that, not that we, even ordinary citizens, now I will say something pretty radical, but I think it's true. His true addressee are we, ordinary people. He made us aware, and it's not a big government plot. It's not that a, a, a couple of people meet somewhere between White House and CIA and decides all our daily lives In combination of state institutions and privately owned organizations like Google, they exert such a control upon our daily lives. China, I know, is here the first. They have incredibly developed face recognition system. Everything is tightly controlled. So what's the difference? The difference is that if you speak to any person in Russia and China and so on, Turkey, even India, you know where you are. But my formula, apropos, a song that I often repeat, is the most dangerous is the unfreedom of which we are not even aware. Unfreedom which you experience your freedom as freedom, that's the horror. What can be more free than searching on the web or buying something and so on? All this is known and circulates, is sold, results. That's why, if you ask me another thing, I think that more important than these disclosures is Assange's uh, book that he published on Google. Uh, the thesis is, to cut a long story short, that Google is uh, a private institution but which works like the national security institutions and so on. They are even directly connected with each other. And uh, another thing, I hope we will agree here, you know in what sense we ordinary people will also address. It's incredible what many people's reaction was, you remember, Assange, I think, was he part of that, I don't know, disclosing the Abu Ghraib prison, conditions in which Iraqi prisoners were kept there. You know what many American liberal friends told me? You know, yeah, it's bad, but listen, some people have to do the necessary dirty job, I prefer not to know it. What I claim even maybe the majority of people like is let the state discreetly do the dirty job and leave me in my liberal dream. From time to time, I protest. This shouldn't be done. But I tolerate it if we don't know it. I think more than hurting the United States, the task of Assange was to hurt and awaken us, ordinary people, now we know it. Now we cannot pretend that, oh, who knows, these are just rumors. We don't know it. We know it. And again, I repeat, whenever you mention Assange, here I criticize the Western left, please mention also Navalny and other cases like that. Because if we focus just of us on Assange, we support this terrifying coalition that is getting in place today with Russia, connected with third world authoritarian countries, presenting itself as a force of independence, sovereignty, freedom against Western imperialism. So that's very important. To be clear to uh, against this left whose big trauma is still FBI, CIA, NATO. Wherever they are, it must be something horribly wrong. No. For example, in Ukraine, I am absolutely against Putin. With all the mistakes, strange things happening in Ukraine, this is a clear, brutal attack and even against peace there. I think we should help Ukraine much more. And you know where Putin is succeeding now. Imposing this parallel, what Ukraine did in Donetsk is what Israel was doing to Palestinians and both just exploited. In the same way, those who think Hamas is nonetheless a liberation force, they claim Palestinians were so long systematically provoked They had to explode. And people who have understanding for Russia, they say, no, but the same happened exactly in Donetsk. I think this is a wrong parallel. With all the sympathy for Palestinians, I never denied the right to existence.
0: Yes. Well, it seems to me, taking off uh, the devil's advocate hat for a second, that what uh, people are really afraid of here is transparency. And that the West is beginning to behave, and I wonder if you agree with this, do you think that the West is beginning to ha- behave more like the Soviet Union than we ever have? Because essentially we are afraid of disclosure. We're afraid of the truth about Iraq.
1: And yeah, so but on. you know what makes me sad here? I mean, I totally agree with you, but I will just return to my previous point. What is so obscene about this fear of disclosure is that it's not so much the fear of disclosure to the enemy, to the actual opponent. It's to the people here, to our people. Hmm. My hypothesis is that most of it, the people on the other side know, with all new technologies, spies and so on, So that's what makes me so sad, that A, things are more transparent to our enemies, often through enemies, and I think Putin is an enemy, than to our own people, and B, that, as I already said before, many of our own people, I even say maybe even the silent liberal majority, they prefer it like that. You know, people don't want to be disturbed. People don't want to know too much. And I'm not against it. I understand this. Or people want to lead a relatively peaceful
0: life. Uh, well, this makes me think about another WikiLeaks story that has, has been very prominent, certainly was yeah. very prominent in 2017, 2018. Yeah. Uh, it was about WikiLeaks and the election of Donald Trump. And there was an attempt by The Guardian, which is ironic because of The Guardian's previous support of Assange, to suggest that WikiLeaks was somehow involved in a Russian plot to install Donald Trump into, in the White House?
1: Well, of course, I can just conjecture here, I don't know what. I do know that uh, Assange told me this, that he was contacted by some strange people, was, wasn't even your own famous Nigel Farage, Who visited him once, you know. These people gave him hints and hints and so on. But uh, all I know is the following. For example, let's take the other guy. How is he called, my God? The guy who now even got Russian citizenship. Uh, Snowden. Snowden. Yeah. I I know, because I was already in contact with Assange. You remember, at the beginning, Snowden was in Hong Kong. And China said, we don't accept him, stay in Hong Kong, and in two weeks, you have to go. Assange and his friends, I know, were desperately looking for all possibilities. Nobody wanted him under American pressure. All these glorious countries of freedom in Europe, Norway, Sweden, France, nobody wanted him. Technically, it was not possible to bring him to Latin America, one don't know one reason. So, simply, Russia was the only option. And it was quite courageous of, uh, of Snowden. I remember a couple of months ago he said in a public statement that, A, he is not happy there in Russia, that he would quite like to move to some other Western country and point to that he is well aware how russia manipulates him and it's quite heroic that from time to time he makes an ambiguous statement but he courageously i think avoided this threat to become uh, an an instrument of russian uh, propaganda
0: well i think you're quite right to point to Snowden's courage. He's obviously had to suffer a lot for it. But uh, I noticed that I think Snowden is already speaking about the Assange case now. But I haven't heard Snowden condemn Vladimir Putin. He cannot afford
1: this. I understand this. I can just guarantee you if any Western or third world country were to accept him, he would have done it and undoubtedly he would have said more. But you know what's the danger to avoid is to accept this choice. If you are for Assange, you support Putin. Or or if you are uh, against, uh, if you are for Navalny, you are playing the Western NATO game and Mm. so on. Mm. No, even if Navalny and Assange obviously do not share the same platform, They share a feature, I hope you will agree, which I find very strange, almost unbelievable. A kind of incredible divine courage, you know. Doesn't this shock you with Navalny? Why did he return to Russia? He knew what awaited him there. He went there. And he, almost to the end, I think, retained his sense of sarcastic humor and so on. Yes. I'm not saying it's the same with Assange, but it goes in this direction. These are people, crazy people, crazy, but not fools. Not fools, but crazy in the sense that they take incredible risks. I would not be able to do that. But we should... The point is not to agree. I often disagree in political judgments with Assange and so on. The point is that they remind us where things got really wrong. That's why with all my support for the West in Ukraine, with all my warnings that don't, uh, with all my opposition to BRICS, I think BRICS is a nightmare, this idea. The deal of BRICS is, economically, we collaborate, but in your country, you do what you want. In my country, I do what I want. The first big act of BRICS was, you remember, when uh, Taliban took over in Afghanistan, they immediately made a deal with China. The deal was, what you do with Uyghurs, Muslims, it doesn't concern us. What we do here with women and women and secular left, it doesn't concern you. So yes, generally, I am still for Western values or whatever you call this. I just think that whenever we criticize the horrors of truly authoritarian regimes, we should always add a song as a reminder that we are also not totally pure. It's always good to add, but a song means the image is not so simple. And I go here to the end. For example, yes, Palestinians suffer in Gaza, but I also accept arguments like, show me one, hour, one Arab country which is a truly functioning democracy. You remember, there were three elections years ago, because of protests in Algeria and in uh, Egypt. What happened? Protests were triggered by middle-class educated young people. Fundamentalists, Muslim fundamentalists won, and the original protesters silently accepted, my God, it's nonetheless better under military dictatorship, you know? So I have no illusions here. Just... Whatever compromises we make, we need more, okay, also his body now, he suffers. The idea of Assange, but just to conclude a more humanitarian argue, argument. You know what I find so strange? From what I learned, he is kept under isolation and so on, uh, limited contacts. Okay, they are afraid that he will escape. Yes. Not, I don't agree with it by understanding. Why not simply put him in a more comfortable prison? You, you have all those digital uh, uh, machineries trying which uh, uh, prevent that he will escape, but why this surplus of sadistic enjoyment? He must suffer.
0: Well, uh, the, see, the WikiLeaks had uh, quite interesting evidence, what seems to be interesting evidence, I can't vouch for it that Trump's CIA or the CIA under Trump uh, had a plan to assassinate Assange. Um, yes, you, that is the truth. Yes. That, and do you think if Assange is extradited to the United States, he will be killed? Surely that would be an own goal. No, um, that,
1: no I think it's more horrible yeah. than be killed. I think he would be helped for decades in very tough times conditions. In one of those prisons I read a report of who was that, I forgot his name big Mexican cartel boss who two times escaped Oh yeah, I can't and remember no, name. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Nothing for him I would shock him, I'm for death penalty I'm a madman <laughs> but in that prison conditions are extremely tough. Yes. So I think if I were to be American, an American with a most evil intention, I would have said, no, don't kill him. Yes. Just, uh, just, just make the life unbearable and prolong it
0: as much as possible. Well, uh, Slavoj Zizek, we have to end it there, sadly, but uh, thank you very much, Slavoj, and um, please come on again soon. That's all for this episode of the Americano podcast. I'd like to thank my brilliant producer, Natasha Faroz, and urge you to leave a generous, kind and warm-hearted review of this podcast on whichever platform you listen to it.